The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I'm Paul Edwards, and, and I'm pleased to say that tonight we have a cast of thousands on Tuesday Topics. Um, uh, eat, eat your heart out, all you all you promoters of large films such as the Ten Commandments. We got you beat tonight. <laughs> um, we, we are going to be talking about lots of different topics, but all related to uh, one, of, uh, one of ACB's committee. And the chair of that committee is the first person that I'm going to introduce tonight to tell us a little bit more about the committee and perhaps introduce the members of that committee and, and, and then perhaps tell us something uh, about uh, those members of his committee who are there from the great state of Texas, a former president of that state affiliate. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Mr. Kenneth Simeon Sr. to tell us about the, the Durward K. McDaniel First Timers Committee. Ms. Ken Mr. Kenneth. Hello, Paul, and thanks for inviting us today. Uh, I would like to begin by uh, just mentioning who serves on our committee. Somebody's moving around. Okay, we have Anthony Akamine, Ted, Board, Ted Boardman, Donna Browning, Zelda Gephardt, Betsy Grinovich, Amanda Selm, Melanie Alsanohi, Frank Ventura, and Sheila Young. We have our staff liaison uh, being Kelly Gast. Kelly helps us a whole lot to get our work done. And our officer liaison is David Trott. Uh, the Durward K. May Daniel Fund Committee, as we're called, actually administers uh, um, putting out there all the knowledge and information about Durward K. May Daniel, how it applies to the DKM First Timer Award. And we also have the ACB JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award. And just to say a little bit about uh, the DKM First Timer Award, our committee seeks to identify and honor two folks uh, each year, one from the east and one from the west of the Mississippi River. And then for the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award, we seek to identify and honor five recipients, and they can be from uh, any place. And uh, that is funded by J.P. Morgan Chase. And we have some great things to share as we move forward. And I was hoping that we could go ahead and um, maybe begin by talking about, you know, Derrick K. McDaniel, all of what we do is pretty much based on uh, what he has done and his keeping his legacy moving forward as we identify <laughs> folks that are getting involved with ACB uh, to help uh, and make a difference from the chapter level on up. So, uh, Paul, if, if you don't mind, I uh, was hoping that we could begin with having some of our folks that have been around for a long time that knew Derby K. McDaniel and begin a conversation about him. And then uh, some of them may be able to talk about how this committee began in 1996. So those folks are with us tonight are Chris Gray, Terry Pacheco, Alan Casey, and I must say that one person uh, was not able to make it with us uh, this time. 
And I might be forgetting, oh yeah, we have Mr. Cor McCoy. Uh, he uh, served as a former DCAM uh, committee chair. Alan Casey did as well. And I think Chair Pacheco did. So let's hear from them if we can. And then after hearing about them going into talking about how our committee got started, then we can start going into some details about our work. So, so let's begin with talking a little bit about Durward. Um, Carl McCoy, you you have been in in ACB as long as most people I know, and uh, some of our newer members may not know that Carl was a member of the ACB board. But Carl, why don't you tell us a little about uh, about your involvement with Durward? Where did you run across him first, and what kind of impression did he make on you? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I had the greatest regard for um, Derwood. I met him in the middle 70s, I believe. It was shortly before I was elected to the board. <clears throat> and uh, over the years, I was involved in, with him. He was quite an advocate, as we all know. And uh, he always had a job for somebody else, too. So um, whenever he... I was um, uh, working in Florida, Daytona Beach at the time, and whenever I heard from him and he was coming to Florida, I knew he had a job for me. Um, and uh, he was excellent, of course, in terms of lobbying the um, Congress, and that's something I came to enjoy as well. So, um, but the other thing I was impressed with, Durwood. I think he knew every blind person in the United States. Uh, I would mention somebody that I just recently met that was new to me in Montana or South Dakota or somewhere, and I'd uh, mention the name to him and know it. Oh yeah, I know her or I know him, and uh, he really did too. He uh, um, he knew I think every blind person in the in the United States, but basically his strong suit was advocating. And uh, a number of times he uh, invited me to go with him on uh, advocating with congressmen or senators, particularly uh, if they were from Florida and I might uh, know them. And uh, so I, I enjoyed that part uh, of it. And um, uh, I guess um, uh, uh, I, I, the um, one kind of um, <clears throat> funny experience though with Derwood. He, uh, he asked me if I would go to Puerto Rico and help organize a chapter down there. Well, I wouldn't be in Florida, I wasn't too far from there. So it was a kind of a natural thing to ask. And uh, I didn't have any expertise particularly. And I said, uh, you know, I don't speak Spanish. Oh, he said, that won't be a problem, you know. And uh, he had already identified someone, uh, I can't remember his last name, it was uh, Jose in Puerto Rico, which had already had been working on a, a chapter. So I went down, I think on a Thursday and spent uh, the uh, three or four days down there. And uh, Derwood met me there and we had dinner that night and he left the next morning and I thought, oh, my God, what do I do now? And 
Well, Jose had it under pretty good control. And so we started out to uh, recruit new members. And we went to the Lions Club and several other clubs. And I didn't see a single blind person except Jose. I said, Jose, <laughs> Where, where, are the, where are the blind people that we're going to recruit? Oh, oh, he says, they'll come. Uh, so anyway, we had a meeting on um, Sunday afternoon after visiting all those clubs. And I'm telling you, there were a bunch of people there. I would probably over 200 people. Wow. Uh, and it was a big party. I mean, they, you know, they had food, drinks. And uh, it was in the stadium. Um, and uh, so we had a lot of speeches and so forth. And so uh, I still hadn't met any blind people. So, but Jose was impressed because of so many people coming and he was convinced they were going to uh, join. But as far as I know, nothing ever happened. I never heard any more from uh, about a meeting in the uh, uh, Puerto Rico. So that was kind of one of the uh, funny experiences with uh, Durwood, and I always kind of held it against him uh, that he sent <laughs> me down there to organize a bunch of sighted people for, uh, to join the ACB. So um, that, uh, so I'll, I'll stop there and let uh, uh, somebody else have a shot at it. Harry, you were going to conventions during the 70s. Did you run across Durwood at, at during your early time at uh, ACB? I ran across Durward, uh, or Durward and I met um, in 1972. It wasn't, I didn't get to my first national convention until 79. But um, back in 1971 and 72, we were starting, uh, we had a group of young blind people in Massachusetts and we had started what was called the Blind Leadership Club and they wanted to join both NFB and ACB and that was right at the same time that Jernigan did his uh, oh, I can't think of what the word was that he, he uh, condemned his condemnation of ACB and the Boston chapter of NFB was not going to go along with it. And they invited um, some of us to go to their state convention. My husband, Frank, was on their board. And so he had gotten uh, them to give Charlie Crawford, who was president of Blind Leadership, an opportunity to speak at their state convention. And we went out to, and so a group of us went out to that. I think there were about six or seven of us. And Durwood had been involved in getting us started and, and talking to us about joining ACB and such, which we did. We were the first state affiliate in Massachusetts. And then that led, later led to Bay State Council. Um, and blind leadership became the Boston chapter of Bay State Council. But that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, at that time, Durwood sent us a cassette of his version. I, I shouldn't even call it his version. He sent us a cassette of his, what he thought would be helpful for us to know. 
And I have that cassette and I have digitized it and it's on my Visibility's website now. And it's about an hour, about a 90 minute tape, I think. I think it's 90 minutes tape of Durward telling the story of the beginnings of ACB and the separation from NFB and all of that. He wanted us to know what we were getting into in the state convention. And um, at that time, there were a lot of us that were involved, Charlie Crawford, um, Phyllis Mitchell, Marlena Lieberg and her husband and Frank and I uh, were all very involved at that time, who were all people who stayed with ACB through the years. Um, but I do have a quick story I will tell you that happened probably in about the 76, 77, 78, somewhere in that area. We were having our state convention and we had um, become Bay State Council by that time, I think. And it was quite the occasion. We had uh, it, oh, about 100 people at the convention and at the banquet. And afterward, kind of the older people drifted into one room and the younger people had a party going. And of course, Derwood went with the younger people um, because we had the open bar as well. <laughs> and anybody that knew Derwood knew that he, uh, and he uh, did like to sit and nurse his glass of bourbon. And he was sitting on the couch and my sister and one of our other members, Gary, and I were passing out drinks and tending bar and such in this uh, private suite when some kids came to the came up and just kind of walked in, young people um, who were obviously not part of our group. And my sister said to me, Terry, who are they? And I looked and said, nobody that belongs here. And Derwood was sitting on a couch, not too far from us at all. And I said to Gary, Gary, get behind the bar. Carol, you deal with them. I will call security. And that's exactly what we did. Carol went over and that's when she came back. She said, one of them has a switchblade. I was like, oh, this is not good. Um, we got the, She got them out, but they only went out as far as the corridor. And she had closed the door. The next thing they were about to come back in, when I had called security, security came up. They got got them out. The next thing, the Newton police were there, um, taking a police report, uh, and saw two with the. I don't know whether they arrested them, whether they took them somewhere. I don't. The kids disappeared. But I will always remember. We were just trying to keep everything cool and calm and not get anybody upset or anything like that. And after it was over. Durwood called me over and I went over and said, can I refresh your drink? He said, no, I got something to tell you, something to say to you, Miss Terry. I don't know your daddy, but I do know that your daddy raised his girls right. <laughs> <laughs> my father, my father was a policeman. And so we grew up, as, we, we grew up, we grew up in the world of detectives. <laughs> And that was just his thing. Was just he just sat back and watched the whole thing happen, and he, and just stayed, kept everybody cool, calm, and collected. And that was the way I think that Durwood did an awful lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was a great observer of situations, um, but yet he found plenty of things for you to do in in the process. And he would come up periodically every year or so, year or two. He and MJ Schmidt and Mary Ballard, Mary Stevens, um, would come up for our for our convention or for some meeting or another. And um, that's how I really got to know Durward much more so than I did on a national basis, was on a much more local situation with him, uh, with between all of that business with ACB I, and NFB. And what finally ended up happening with uh, us going to that state convention was they, uh, John Nagel shouted Charlie down on the floor, was trying to shout Charlie down. And one of the old ladies turned to Frank and told him to shut up and sit down. And that was really the final straw that the group said, we want nothing to do with NFB. We became immediately, I think just about became the first ACB affiliate in Massachusetts. Durwood came up and did a presentation at one of our uh, meetings or convention. I forget. It was a convention where we were and put us all to work. (laughs) He really did. We all did a lot of work with him. The last time I saw Durwood, he had come up. There was the uh, statewide vending training conference. And we were both uh, happened to be at it. And that probably was 15 years later. And he sat there and said, so tell me, Terry, how's Chris, De- Chris Devon and how are his girls? They must be pretty well grown now. He remembered everybody under the sun. It was amazing. If you didn't, if you didn't know Durwood, Durwood knew you. Yep. I completely agree with Carl on that. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Chris Gray. You were a kid just getting involved with ACB in the in in the mid to late 1970s, but you had a you had a pretty early and continuous association with Durward. Tell us about your early recollections of uh, of the mighty Durward. Okay, sure, sure. I'll I'll be happy to do that. Um, well, I first met Durward in 1972. He came to a meeting, a state convention of the Washington Council of the blind, representing ACB and working with a lady who probably no one here knows named Alice Bankston. She was kind of a coordinator of membership on the West Coast in Washington, Idaho, Montana, those areas. And she had formed, with the help, of course, of people there, the the WCB. Durward came out for our convention and worked with our president who was very uh, unskilled really in in leadership, but opened a suggestion and from WCB older members who knew how to do this and from Durward and others. So I got to know him a little bit that way. And um, a few years later, I found out I could get an internship in political science from my university if somebody would accept me to, to be an intern. So I wrote Durward a letter and asked if he would be interested in having an intern in the DC office. And as things came to pass, uh, he said yes. 
and I was able to get funding from various sources, not from ACB. <laughs> ACB didn't have the money, but I, I came to D.C., lived uh, in an international student housing complex with a guy from Venezuela who was going to school there and uh, was an intern for ACB from June the 15th until about September the 15th. Durward put me to work. First thing he had me doing was going to testify on the Hill. Now, overall, Durward was a nice guy. He really was. You could never meet anybody more amiable, more affable, more supportive. But it was time for me to testify about a bill to a subcommittee of a House committee in, in the Congress. And uh, so I studied the bill and had information to, to say. And he said, I'd like to rehearse your testimony with you, with you if you don't mind. So I was there and I began and I, I, I said a few things. First thing I did was misname the bill. I didn't have the name exactly right. It might have been close, but it wasn't right. And he corrected me and I went on. He said, no, don't go on. He said, I want you to say it right. <laughs> so I did. And uh, various places, uh, the rest of what I wanted to say, he, he would make corrections and suggestions and so forth. Well, I was very shaken. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, everything he said was right. So I went back to my desk and I did some kind of mental rehearsing and went and I think I gave a pretty good presentation to Congress and uh, came back and said, well, how'd it go? I said, it went really well. And, and thank you for your help. You made me do a lot better. And uh, I had had to testify next to the uh, head of NFB's legislative arm, uh, Jim Gashel was his mm -hmm. name. Many of you may know him. And uh, I think I did pretty well, but I wouldn't have done that well without that uh, rehearsal, quote unquote rehearsal. <laughs> so that's when I knew that there were two Durwards. There was the Durward who was supportive and, and uh, easy to be with. There was a Durward, though, that was very driven to do things the right way in a certain way. And, and I always knew those two parts of him, and I'm glad of it. It taught me a lot and uh, went back to Washington State, went to graduate school. Next thing I knew, he had talked me and the organization into making me the president of WCB, in which capacity I served from 1977 to 79. He would be on the phone with me every two, three weeks, just five, 10, 15 minutes, and always very, you know, cordial and I know you're busy. I, I know being in graduate school and being a president is a pretty hard task. He'd give me advice and then he would talk to others in our organization. Uh, there was an attorney named Arnold Sadler who we have a scholarship for these days. Yep. So he, he and Arnold would both talk with me often saying similar things, maybe a little different. In 1979, <clears throat> I, I became a uh, an intern for the federal government, a presidential management intern. And I actually stayed with him and Eileen for a week in their home, finding a place. And uh, I remember uh, Eileen was trying to sell a bed at that time. They had a spare room and they had no need for this bed. 
So she was taking phone calls and getting this offer and that offer, that offer. One day she said, Chris, do you need a bed? I said, well, I got to get one. She said, I'm going to give you this bed. All these people are bothering me. They don't want to pay what it's worth. I'd like you to have it. And that's, that's who they were as people. Uh, mm-hmm. A nice memory. They helped me get some, well, Eileen helped me get some furniture. Durward couldn't care about furniture. <laughs> and uh, from then on, uh, we, we had a, a lifelong association. And uh, it was a, it's wonderful, a wonderful memory. I've often asked myself in certain ACB-related situations, what did I think that Durward might do in this situation? And often I had an idea, and I went with that idea, and pretty darned often it worked. So he was a great friend, a great mentor, uh, certainly had an unshakable belief in ACB and what we could do. And he would be so proud today of who we are and what we have done. He had what I feel is the courage to primarily step away from leadership of a certain sort in ACB. He felt his time as national representative had come and gone, that it was a different organization, it was a different era. And he had the, the sense and the courage to step back and turn the reins over to others. And he moved to Texas, Kenneth, <laughs> and lived in Texas for many years, got the Texas affiliate up and going and uh, was very involved in Randolph Shepard for the, for the remainder of his life and, and uh, ACB of Texas. And really, when people say that he was perhaps the founder of ACB, he always felt that was a little bit much, but in many, many ways, I think it was true. And I'll, I'll stop there. I do have a few things to say about the creation of the first timers but I'll, I'll wait for that we'll, we'll, the agenda. We'll come to that. I I wanted to ask all of you guys who knew Durward in the early days. I did not meet Durward until um, I became active in ACB. Um, for some reason in the time when I was kind of working hard in Florida from 1977, I guess, or yeah, it would have been 77 until uh, 1984, which was my first convention. Um, I did I, I had not met Durward. I, I've, I, of course, had heard about him and, and had read lots that he'd written um, in, in, the, in the Braille Forum or in the Forum. Um, but, but, um, but I had not met him. And, and I, guess, I guess the other thing that, that kind of became apparent um, later on was that Durward actually um, spent a good deal of his own money in order to enable ACB to survive um, in in DC, from what I understand, and I think I think there that's another way that that Durward was perhaps instrumental in ensuring that ACB survived because. I think there there was lots of there were lots of times when ACB probably didn't have the money to pay Durward the money that they were supposed to as national representative, and many times when they certainly couldn't pay for the kind of travel that he wanted to do, um, and many times they could that couldn't they couldn't pay for 
things like furniture that the office needed. My understanding is, and there's some documentation of that in People of Vision, um, that that Derwood spent a good deal of his own money in order to enable um, ACB to survive. Can you guys who knew him in the early days suggest that that's accurate? Well, there's no question, Paul, that that's accurate. And the board would go for months and months without paying him a salary. And uh, the ACB office was a one-room establishment, which had a bed in it, <laughs> at a little hotel in D.C. without air conditioning. Oh, dear. I believe it was called the Dodge Hotel. And uh, there was a board meeting. I was not at the meeting, but Eileen told me about it, where he had left the room to go do something, attend to some matter. And she told the board, we just can't go on this way. We, you know, he hasn't had an income as an attorney for, for many, many years. And uh, you guys are not paying him. You have to find a way to remedy the situation or we're going back to Oklahoma. She said, he may not want to go back to Oklahoma, but we are. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that's a story that she, she enjoyed telling. And enjoyed it in the sense of highlighting his commitment, but also highlighting the fact that ACB had to find a way to get on to its own two feet and pay legitimate necessary expenses. Yep. So my experiences with with Derward were sort of were, were sort of the other side of the coin. Um, one of the one of the jobs that I did early for ACB and and, and got mixed reviews over. Um, some people thought I did an okay job, but 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 there were lots of people who who didn't love the job I did. I think Chris was one of the people who didn't love the job I did, at least to begin with, with the resolutions committee. Um, um, I think there was a feeling, and, and Chris can Chris can correct me if he thinks I'm wrong, but I think there was a there was a feeling that this new kid who didn't know anything was going off half cocked and 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 not paying very much attention to the realities of the situation. I think there was a lot of truth in that, by the way. Um, but the the point that I'm making is I ran across Derward because. I took a pretty democratic attitude towards resolutions. And when a resolution came in, as I was required to do by the Constitution, I took it pretty seriously. And there were some resolutions that came in, not in the first year, but I think in, in, in 1986 or so, um, that, that had to do with Randolph Shepard vending. And in particular, um, had to do with some loopholes that existed. And, and I guess we'd call them loopholes now, Chris May may want to talk to that too, um, <clears throat> that that allowed folks to make pretty considerable sums of money and still collect um, SSI and SSDI. And as a result uh, of these resolutions, we were prepared to, uh, to bring a resolution to the floor that at least asked um, ACB to, to pay attention to these things and, and um, and Durward was not a happy camper and um, came to our resolutions committee and indicated all the damage that it would do. And I, I think that the resolution ended up getting withdrawn and didn't, didn't end up going to the floor. Um, but, but that was the other side of Durward. If he felt that ACP was doing something that wasn't appropriate, he was, he was very quick to make it clear. He would try to solve problems quietly um, 
behind closed doors. But if he couldn't, he was perfectly prepared to go as far as he needed to, uh, to try to make it clear that, that those problems should be solved. So, yeah, it was interesting. He could be pretty formidable, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. He could, yeah, especially to a young kid who didn't know a lot about ACB. Right, well, uh, you kind of got thrown into that. That wasn't entirely your fault. It was not. It was not. Uh, and and, and, and um, when, when I came up to, to my first convention, I had been invited by Grant Mack um, to, quote, be on the resolutions committee. And it was only when I got there that I found that I wasn't going to be on the resolutions committee. I was going to be chairing it. And that that was the that was the last thing I was ready to do, but but Grant had already decided that was what I was going to do. It. So there um, you go. <laughs> one one did what one could. Um, in when when Durward um, retired to Texas and and continued to work for a lot of ACB matters and continued to stay in touch with loads of people. Um, his the, the the last experience or one of the last major experiences of Durward's um, of Durward's involvement with ACB was was I don't I don't know how Durward felt about it maybe Chris does but um, there there was a somewhat um, uh, interestingly contested election where where five folks along with Durward were running for the same office and. Um, um, largely because Durward had said that he wasn't going to run for that position, and then he decided at the last minute that he was going to. So, a whole bunch of people came out of the woodwork. I make the point not 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 to 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 suggest whether Durward should have or should not have, but to say that um, to say that it was an indication at the time of how immensely popular Durward was within ACB that. Even though I actually won that election and ended up um, getting onto the ACB board as, of, of all things, um, first vice president, which is not the way one should really start, um, the the there are folks and and folks who I truly loved in ACB. One of one of whom I'm sure um, a, a lot of the old timers would know, a, a lady who I dearly revered, named Alma Murphy. Um, from Missouri, um, from that point on, would have nothing to do with me because she felt that it was an abomination for me to have run against Durward. And there were loads of people within ACP who felt that way, which is an indication of just how seminal a figure Durward was in ACB. And I've always been sorry um, that, that that's the way that ended up. And I, I think had I known that that was the way it was going to end up, I, I probably wouldn't have allowed myself to run. I, I had I had no expectation that I would win. Um, it it was uh, it was an absolute shock to me that that happened. Um, so just before I give it back to Kenneth, uh, Chris, why don't you talk about um, the notion of creating a Durward McDaniels First Timers Award in 1996. Okay, okay, well, I'll be happy to do that. And you know, Paul, regarding your, your discussion about winning, the, winning that election, I think that there are a lot of things that could be said about it. Probably not much needs to be said about it. And, and what I'm saying should not be viewed as, as any kind of criticism 
of, of you or Durward. The fact of the matter is Durward was in fairly poor health. Yes. By the time of that election. And I, I remember sitting with him <clears throat> at the legislative seminar and he didn't go to the Hill. Now that was unthinkable. <laughs> Durward always went to the mm -hmm. Hill. And we were sitting and chatting. I said, Durward, do you, do, do you need to go? Or, you know, could I give you a hand going up there? Whatever. He said, no. He says, no, I, I just can't do it. He said, I, I wish I could. He said, but my time on the Hill is gone. And he was not well. He was sad about that. Maybe even a little bitter about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he had become fairly impatient in those past two or three years. And one time mm -hmm. I said to him, Derward, you've always been the personification of caring about other people and patience. Sometimes now you get pretty mad. He said, you know, Chris, here's the deal. He said, there, there, for me, there is so little time and there's so many things to do and it frustrates me and I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And that's really, you know, it's kind of sad in a way, but, you know, I'm sure it's, it's, it, it happens to us all to some degree. Now, when Durward passed away, and I have to correct a few dates here, <clears throat> when Durward passed away, I believe it was in August or early September of 1994. Yes. Casey would know the answer to that for sure. But I'm sure I'm right. He and Eileen were, were, coming out to Alan and Leonie Jenkins' 50th wedding anniversary. And the cab had come, and Eileen went out and took a bag or whatever, and Lord didn't come out. And she went back, and he had stood up from his chair and just dropped dead of a heart attack on the floor. So it was sudden. It was shocking, even though many of us knew that he, he was not in good health. And uh, so in the September just, board meeting. Just for new, uh, just for newer folks, Alan Jenkins was the, the head of the, uh, the Center for Training Blind People out in California and uh, uh, also a, a chair of the Resolutions Committee and a longtime member of the California Council of Blind. Absolutely. Going way back into the 50s. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, anyway. We met shortly thereafter, uh, the board, and at the September board meeting, it was from September 15th through September 17th of 1994, the first motion of the meeting was made by Pat Beattie, a former board member and very involved in lots and lots of regulatory activities and in NIB, a very well-known person at that time in ACB. She passed a motion, or she made a motion, which passed, that the board do something to honor the memory of Derwood McDaniel. Leroy was president, and he appointed me to be the chair of an ad hoc committee, which would meet later in the day and do what they could to formulate an idea to bring back to the board for consideration. We got together. We all believed it should be something meaningful, not something tokenistic, something that would be a major factor 
in ACB for many years to come. We talked about Durward's great desire to have an Hispanic population in ACB. And uh, you know, Carl, you're right about uh, Puerto Rico for a long time. Puerto Rico did finally have an affiliate. It did, but it didn't last long. It didn't last long. No, it sure didn't. And we um, did for some years have a Spanish language addition to the forum, which was uh, ill-conceived at that time and didn't work either. But look at us now. We had Spanish language at the, at the uh, leadership conference and legislative seminar of ACB. We're doing Spanish language things. That legacy in a way that was never imagined had, has come to pass. Bearward also was very active in trying to form an affiliate of Native Americans, which has not worked. Maybe someday it will. But anyway, we talked about all those things. And we talked about uh, Bearward's commitment to membership, to, to leadership. And we felt strongly also that membership, while very important, should not be... Uh, talked about without the idea coming forward of membership retention. We haven't done so well at that even today, although we're doing better, but the committee ended up deciding that uh, we wanted to do something to potentially create new members for ACB and, and talk about membership retention. But anyway, the idea would be to bring two people because we knew we couldn't afford any more than that to convention, one from the west and one from the east of Mississippi. And we wanted ACB to commit some dollars to at least seeding that activity. We brought a motion to the board, which included a, a revenue item for the next three, maybe four, I don't recall, annual budgets of, of ACB. And uh, Leroy Saunders was kind of annoyed with me in particular, but with the committee overall, he did not want to see that as a part of the program. But we we did. We felt strongly that without a, a revenue projection and a revenue commitment by ACB, that there wouldn't be a first-timers program. And we knew we had to go to affiliates and get them to help fund it, which many have over the years. But we knew that without a funding mechanism that was clear cut, the program would never get off the ground. And once it got off the ground, it would find a way to sustain itself. Leroy and I made it up, but <laughs> he was annoyed at that board meeting. But that's how the, the program began. It, it Leroy appointed the committee and so forth. And I, I you know, I do believe that the first uh, group of the two first timers came to ACB's 1995 convention uh, in, in uh, North Carolina. So I'm sure it wasn't 96, but it was 95. But you know, one or two years, give or take a little, not worth worrying about now. But that's how we got started. Um, Alan Casey, if you're here, I am really sorry to have left you out. Are there some things you'd like to say about Durward before we go on to talk a little bit about your chairmanship?
guess I thought Alan was here. Perhaps he's not. I'm going to assume he's not. So, Mr. Simeon, do you want to talk about the the early years and some of the early people who do you remember who the first uh, two first timers were? Uh, I don't. I know I can pull that up. Uh, uh, that's oh, you don't, you don't have to. Yeah, let me uh, tell you. I, I can pull that up while uh, I have two people here, two two decam first timers for testimonials, and nice. I'm going to see if they could just tell about their experience. One from 2001. Uh, his name is Bill Wright from Kentucky. Bill, are you there? If you are, let's uh, let us hear about some things that you you've done since you received the DCAM First Timers Award in 2001. I remember, I remember Bill from Kentucky. He's um, he's active. He's an active participant often in our library without walls. So, Bill, if you're there, try to get yourself un, unmuted if you need to, and let's hear from you. Yeah, I reached out to him because he I believe, has been Kenneth, I believe he's in the attendee side, and he will need to raise his hand because I believe I recognize that phone number. I'm not sure. Can so, you give them the instructions? Because she was supposed to be calling in on the phone, uh, and I sent that number in to Rick for him to be able to identify them. I think, I think you can hear yes. me now. Yes, we can. We can, Bill. Go for it. Okay. Um, my name's Bill Wright. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I was grateful to receive the uh, 2001 First Timer Award uh, in Des Moines. Iowa. Uh, that was the first time I had I'd ever been on a plane, and uh, that went very smooth, and I've continued to fly since then. Uh, since 2001, uh, I've stayed involved, uh, like like Paul said, with the uh, with uh, with Lua. Um, I was one of the core people who who started um, the. Uh, local group um, in Louisville, Kentucky, and was the first president of Tri-State Library Users, and um, was the was past, I'm the past president of Tri-State uh, Library Users, mm -hmm. and Natalie Couch is our uh, new president, and is doing a great job. That's uh, cool. Uh, I, so, uh, so I, Bill had. Oh, go ahead. If uh, when 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 you applied to be uh, a first timer in two thousand and one, if if it hadn't been for the award, is there any way you would have been able to come to an ACB convention? Um, no. With with my finances in two thousand and one, there would have been no way that that I could. Could have afforded uh, mm -hmm. the room, the board, uh, the the plane ticket, everything because um, the, the the financial situation in Kentucky, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know they, you know they they was not uh, doing what they were, what we are able to do now to right. Uh, 
to pay for people to uh, to to attend the convention, like like this year, and and the last several years, like several conventions, we have paid we have paid for the hotel room uh, for double occupancy, double occupancy uh, for the whole seven days. And that's and so we, cool. We just voted. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, at our uh, state board meeting uh, to do that again this year. And did you wrote a letter for yourself, and then the president of Kentucky wrote a letter to the first-timers group on your behalf. Is that right, Bill? Yes, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And and I, I learned a lot, and I met so many people. I'll definitely get And I thought it was, I'm, I'm going to tell a story on Chris. Uh, uh, you know, I was, I was young and I didn't think, you know, I was shocked, you know, one morning to go out hunting for the, um, the convention newspaper to find the president also out looking for his, uh, newspaper at the same time. And, uh, and I, and that's when I met Chris Grant, that know him. And, uh, and, uh, and, and everything. And, um, but. Exactly right. <laughs> yep. That's excellent. I don't, I, I don't, you weren't president in Des Moines, were you, Chris? I was, I think. You were president in Des Moines, yes. Yeah. But excellent. Bill, thank you very much. And, and, um, you have a, a another DKM person. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, we have Sarah Freeman Smith from Texas. Recipient in 2020. Nice. Yes. Uh, hello, everyone. And again, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to um, to speak regarding my experience as a um, DKM first-timer uh, in 2000, 2020 uh, recipient. So I represented the West. I am from uh, Houston, and I am an active member both in the Houston Council as well as the um, ACB um, T Council as well, Texas. And so I had thought about uh, trying to participate in uh, the national convention, but didn't realize the enormity. First of all, I being I, I, I worked full time and had attended, you know, numerous conferences. But when they told me, you know, it's a week and I'm going, what could possibly go on for a week that could consume that much time? Well, I was fortunate enough to um, be uh, able to attend the entire conference because of the pandemic. And I must say, with all of the sessions and events that took place, especially such a difficult year when we were all faced with, um, you know, with the pandemic was so not only overwhelming, but extremely inspirational for me because it allowed me to uh, leave from the walls of my living room or dining room where I was listening, but to learn and to gather information from so many people across the country. I developed a lot of friendships and uh, learned so many different things that I was able to come back and actually apply uh, and utilize in uh, obtaining uh, new board roles uh, within my community because I was so inspired and encouraged about some of the things that I've learned and then to be able to pass on those things 
to others. So uh, I am so proud to be able to um, be a part of um, Derwood McDaniel's legacy and to just stand, not even attempt to stand on his shoulders, just to stand on my tippy toes to even get close to the things that uh, he did. But it's definitely encouraging and I would certainly uh, encourage others to not think that this is not possible to utilize that opportunity to go and learn and grow and uh, get out and be an advocate for others. So thankful very much so to the committee and everyone at ACB for the opportunity. Now, one of the decisions, as I understand it, that the DKM committee and the board have made um, is that is that guys who were awarded the DKM first-timers in 2020 and 2021 um, will be able to come to this convention in person. Are you, are you planning to come? Uh, unfortunately, due to some other health reasons, I'm not able to participate uh, this summer, but I will definitely be dialed in. I certainly will, but do look forward to uh, later in the future, hopefully being able to actually physically go and meet all of the individuals that I've come to, you know, uh, grow and learn uh, from over uh, the last two years. Excellent. Kenneth, our, our executive director has been hanging around for an awfully long time. Could we perhaps bring him in to talk a little bit about how the Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows came about? That would be excellent. Mr. Eric. Hey, good evening. I, uh, <laughs> hopefully you don't hear a kid in the background. I just put him in bed. So You're doing well. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So I am happy to, to be part of this and, frankly, to learn more about Durwood. Um, I never had the opportunity to meet him. I've read a lot of his writing, uh, but uh, it's been it's been a fun hour to be able to just uh, sit back and listen and do some dishes. <laughs> um, but at, at any rate, um, I'm happy to be here. And yeah, so the J.P. Morgan Leadership uh, Fellows Program was really. It, it represented the beginning of a of a new relationship that ACB was in the process of building with J.P. Morgan Chase. This started in 2014. Uh, the Equal Rights Center of Washington D.C. Uh, their executive director uh, reached out to me. I, I'd known him for many years. Uh, Charlie Crawford and other ACB. Uh, members in the DC area had served on the Equal Rights Center's board of directors. So the executive director knew ACB well, and he reached out to me and said, hey, um, we have a, an ongoing relationship with JP Morgan. Uh, they are wanting to uh, learn more about uh, the, the uh, sensory disability community in this country. And uh, I'd like for you to, to meet with their representative to talk a little bit about ACB. So uh, he set the meeting up and we met and uh, it was a woman named Naomi Camper. She was the, the head of corporate responsibility for JP Morgan Chase. We hit it off uh, quite nicely, just a, a great woman. Um, the, the Office of Corporate Responsibility is actually not housed 
uh, in New York City at their headquarters, but it, it's here in Washington, D.C. And so uh, we had a discussion about, you know, what ACB, what ACB was up to at the time, what we were looking to do as an organization. Um, this preceded my time. Um, uh, I was not executive director at this time, uh, but we had had some really nice discussions. They were able to help fund uh, that very year, uh, the acquisition of some uh, uh, AV equipment for uh, our convention, which was quite nice uh, uh, with regard to the impact on our, on our budget or lack thereof. Uh, and at the end of the year, uh, she said, we sat down and, and had lunch and she said, what else do you guys need? And I, I talked to her about a few things. I always came prepared. And she said, no, I think we're done giving you stuff. But what could we help you with as an organization from a capacity building standpoint? And I went away and had uh, a couple of different discussions with uh, Melanie Brunson, my boss at the time, uh, as well as Kim Charlson. <clears throat> and we came up with this concept of, of uh, a, a leader, leadership fellows program, uh, a way really to identify talent uh, around the nation uh, within the affiliates, uh, either state or special interests, uh, folks who may be up-and-coming leaders in their affiliates or may be current leaders, but not necessarily uh, on the national level, on a, you know, chairing a committee or on the board of directors, right? To build a pipeline of talent. And so I came back to, to Naomi and I said, hey, here's what, we, well, here's what we've come up with. What do you think? She goes, that's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> um, they're, they're committed to this day to building capacity for organizations. So uh, whether it's training, whether it is their continued uh, and ongoing support of this program, which I believe Kenneth has 33 fellows, correct? That's correct. Um, and we'll go up to 38 this summer and darn near half of them <laughs> will be at the convention this summer because we haven't, we haven't been able to get them all together from 2021 and, and this this year, um, but uh, it started in in 2016, and I believe we did eight fellows that year, um, and and it's a it's a list of really good leaders. Uh, did I hear is uh, Sheila is she the host for this event? She's no, not the she host. Here. She, she's here. Okay. I'm yeah, not so, the host, Eric. <laughs> uh, okay. but I, am here. <laughs> I heard you interject earlier, and I, uh, my apologies. But okay. I, be I believe you were part of the first class, correct, of fellows in 2016? Yes, yes, sir. And we had 10. There were 10 in that. Oh, there were 10. We have a list of eight names on our list. Uh, really? Well, I yes. could have yeah. sworn it was 10, but Deb Cook-Lewis is another one that was in that yep. class. So, and yeah. and okay. Deb just arrived. Welcome and she Deb. just got here. So. <laughs> yes, hi, yeah. everybody. And Greg Lindbergh was here, too, which is exciting. 
Yes, and Greg, Greg, and Greg and Amanda had to leave right at this time. But uh, I invited Sheila and Deb Cook Lewis because of uh, their achievements after receiving the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award, and so I wanted them to take time to just share a little bit about the things that they've accomplished, not just because of the award, but what they've done since they received the award. Well, the uh, opposite ends of the country too. Sheila, do you want to start? Well, was Eric done? <laughs> Eric, I certainly done? can be. I mean, the show was not about me. Be. So I didn't know. It's more about you guys you than it is about me. No, it's it's all good, Sheila. Take it away. Um, I, I will tell you when I was um, when I applied, and the president at the time was Jim Crott, and I was interviewed. I was a nervous wreck because I'm like, I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Um, and I got selected. I was overwhelmed. And it was in Minneapolis. I think it yes. was Minneapolis. Yeah. And I was so nervous. I, I had only been to one national and that was in 2005. So I, I was scared to death. Um, Debbie Dethridge was my roommate, and uh, we just had the best time getting to know each other. And, you know, the few of us that were, Mika White was one. Um, but I think, was Mike Taylor one? Deb, do you remember who all was in our class? Because I don't remember. It was no, a fun crew. I remember that. I remember getting together with you guys and oh, lots yeah, it of was, laughs. It was, <laughs> it was great. But, um, you know, who would have ever thunk that I would be where I am today? <laughs> so tell had, us where you are, Miss John. Well, I have been president of the Florida Council of the Blind since 2018. So finishing my fourth year. And because of darling COVID, um, our second term didn't count, so I'm running <laughs> for my second term. <laughs> there you go. So um, if I get reelected, I will be president of the Florida Council for six years. Um, I am the chair of the Audio Descriptive Projects Performing Arts Museums and Parks Subcommittee under the Audio Description Project. I am on the leader, well, not, not leadership now, um, I was on the leadership committee. I'm on the scholarship committee for ACB and I'm on the DKM committee. So, and I'm a Zoom host trainer for ACB and I host many calls. And other than that, I have nothing to do. No. <laughs> well, and she forgot to talk about her recipe swap. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I do the recipe swap, which tomorrow night we celebrate our second birthday. So, uh, well, that's exciting, and that's 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 coming quite a long way um, from yeah. a, a lowly beginning in 2018, as it were. Uh, but, well, but, low, I I began in uh, Mississippi in 2002, and then yep. began in Florida in 2005. I remember and when you I came to Florida. That was fun. <laughs> I was yeah, just a that member. Was fun. <laughs> So, Deb Cook-Lewis, you've come a, a fair distance as well. Tell us a little bit about your experience. So, um, I've been a member of ACB a really long time. 
It goes back into the uh, early 80s, late 70s, I think. And at one point, I was pretty active in um, ACB at the at both the state and the national level. I've been uh, state treasurer twice. Well, both both terms you can do. So does that count as four mm-hmm. times? I mean, it's really two 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 yeah, year terms, right? Yeah, seems yep. like for every. I see. I can't even <laughs> add up the years, and they they let me be treasurer. I don't quite get that, but I think it was called desperation. Um, and uh, let's see, Paul. When I when you were uh, president of ACB, I, I actually chaired the uh, information access committee. I remember. Um, so um, I've been around a long time, but. I stopped being around for uh, several big reasons. One was that um, um, my employer was kind of concerned about any of us being too active. I mean, he didn't care if we were mem- they didn't care if we were members of the organizations, whichever one. But they kind of didn't want us to have a really high profile role because they wanted yep. us to be seen as kind of neutral, and and most of us really were. So I kind of tailored down my activity that way. And then I spent several years caring for um, a housemate who was terminally ill, and so right. that kept me out of the out of the loop for quite a while. So. Um, uh, flash forward, I had not been, I was at that 2005 convention that uh, Sheila's talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I actually had not been to one since 2005 for all those reasons I just described. And then um, I was able to come back and I was now going, I was going to be retiring. And so I decided to up my game a little bit in the organization and I hadn't retired yet, but I would be soon. And, and you know, my employer was cool with all that. And so I um, decided I was going to up my game. So I came to the convention and I, I decided to apply for the, I was encouraged to apply for the, um, for the Chase um, Fellowship because um, um, I was really becoming active again and um, as I said, had been talked into uh, being treasurer and and a few other things. And so I thought, well, I haven't been active in a really long time. I probably won't be selected, but you know, you should start applying now and then maybe in 10 more years. If you keep <laughs> applying every year, it doesn't cost anything to apply. So when in doubt, go again, you know. So I applied and I got an interview, which was quite a surprise in the first place. And then I thought, well, they must be short of people <laughs> when they really weren't short of people. And uh, then I was actually selected. And like Sheila, I would agree that I was really quite blown away with that opportunity. Well, so I came to the convention and one commitment that I made in the door was that I'm going to do something to uh, make it worth the organization's while that they are letting me do this because, um, you know, even though it's kind of through a grant, it's still, I mean, the organization's resource. And mm-hmm. um, you become the organization's resource if the organization spends other resource, whether that's time or money or whatever they have, on you. And, and I really feel that way. And so I made a commitment that I would do something. You know, and I, and I didn't think it would be a lot. I mean, I didn't know what it might be, but I was going to find something to engage myself in uh, while at the convention that I could carry on after the convention. So now we flash forward and there, we're going through the elections and all the things that are happening. And I'm sitting next to Denise Colley, and they're talking now about the Board of Publications and the fact that um, 
they're sort of short of candidates and they're sort of hoping the rest of the people who might become candidates would please become candidates really soon <laughs> because there's a problem here. And I said, hmm. now I understood somewhat of what the BOP did. I had a sense of it. I don't think I had a, I can be very straight up and say I don't, didn't have a total sense of it. But I did have a sense of what that was. I did know several people um, who had been on the BOP. So I knew I had resources. And I said to Nice, that would be really interesting to do, I think. I think that I could picture myself doing this. You can, she said. And I said, well, yeah, maybe I, I guess I could. I mean, sometime. How about now? She said, well, no, I don't, I don't think so. She said, but you made a commitment. I said, you but I didn't make a commitment to this. <laughs> this is too big. And so so she said, well, let's go talk to Ron Brooks was going to become the chair. And so mm -hmm. she said, let's go talk to Ron about this. And so um, basically Ron sent me on the campaign trail and I spent the next two days going around to the caucuses that had not already occurred and making my pitch for the BOP. And uh, I came on to the BOP that, uh, that year. Um, as did Paul come back to the BOP. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, uh, you know, that it, it kind of went from there. And then um, uh, I served on the BOP for three years as a member and then two years as its chair. Um, and then last summer, uh, prior to the convention, because um, after all, the convention didn't happen until halfway through the summer this time. So uh, um uh, several people started talking to me about the fact that you know you need to you need to think about the rest of your ACB career. You need you need to run for something, and I said, well, I can't run for the board because we've got Jeff Bishop, and so they said, right, we we know that, so you'll have to run for an office, and I said, well, I. Um, I can't run for an office because <laughs> there aren't any to run for. And so anyway, they, um, they, they talked me into uh, running for first vice president. And I um, kind of reluctantly did this. I, I did go around and talk to a lot of people about that and um, decided that, yes, I, I, I would do this. And, and again, nothing ventured, nothing gained, in my opinion. And, and if I don't uh, succeed to win that, I understand there is an incumbent candidate and, and, and a deserving incumbent candidate, and he might win. Um, and so if I don't, then um, I'm planning to run for, well, you guessed it, treasurer when David Trott can't, because that's the job I know. So that was what I was planning to do. And I'm like, if I'm first base president, I can't be treasurer when that comes up for me. And, well, yeah, you're right, Deb. That's that's true. So anyway, that's the bottom the bottom line of that. And so that is currently what I'm doing for ACB. And I'm very busy. So, um, so um, that's that's kind of my story. Well, and that's and and that, of course, is only part of your story because one of the other things that that many of the folks who are listening to this program probably know is that uh, Deb has taken an immensely important role in uh, in in our convention coverage and at state affiliate conventions and working with ACB Radio and a range of other things um, in addition to the job that she's doing as first vice president. So she has really lived up, I think, 
um, pretty effectively to um, to what a, a leadership fellow is supposed to do. So thank you, Deb. Mm -hmm. uh, I am going to go back to Kenneth and then to Eric. And Kenneth, um, well, I guess you could do both and then we'll let Eric comment on, because I'm going to ask Eric some about the differences. But Kenneth, tell us exactly how the, the leadership the, or the First Timers Award works. What do people have to do if they want to be considered for this year? Because there's still a little time, isn't there? Oh, that's correct. Our deadline is coming up two, week, two weeks from today, which will be April the 5th. And uh, so, yeah, I'll go with that. And then we have some other things that we can bring up. We have other people who, here who have testimonials that we want to give them a chance if we have the time. So uh, to be considered for the Derrick K. McDaniel our DKM award, first timers award, that is, uh, we ask you to at least be 18 years old, uh, blind or visually impaired, a member in good standing, never having attended an in-person ACB conference and convention. And we ask that you agree to participate in uh, all the activities that we have planned for you uh, from July 1st to July 8th. Uh, you will want to agree to a 30-minute interview with one of our interview teams. And also, we need to ask you to uh, write a letter of application telling about yourself and things that demonstrate, I would say, uh, in writing what you've done by way of uh, on any level of leadership. So our, our awards, both of them are like leadership development awards, and we're trying to identify folks who want to continue, not just get an award and come to convention, but learn more about ACB and begin to serve within ACB on any level uh, possible. Some, of, some people begin to serve on all levels, but that's what we're wanting everybody to know, uh, that we have to ask you to write a letter of application. We're going to have one of our committee members to tell you how to find the articles if you haven't found those yet, but that we have an article that tells you everything about how to apply what's necessary, the criteria and all. And uh, then we want to make sure that uh, you are well prepared. So once you submit that your own letter of application or prepare it, you would want to contact your state or special interest affiliate president to write a letter of recommendation on your behalf. And they are going to be looking at that same article for things that are expected. We're looking for those who have demonstrated leadership potential, and you don't have to be the grandest of leaders today, but you will get numerous opportunities to grow once you uh, obtain one of the awards or even just become a part of the process by applying this time. If you're not selected, you want to definitely try again the next year. So we will be selecting uh, one DKM first-timer from the east and one from the west of the Mississippi River. Uh, this year, and that's always provided that there are there are applicants from both sides. Because there has been a time when that did not happen, and we actually awarded two people from uh, one side of the uh, region. Uh, so, beyond that, our uh, J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award is pretty much the same. Uh, the only difference in uh, as far as criteria, you could have been. Uh, in attendance of an ACB conference and convention in the past and still be selected. We've had some folks like two that spoke tonight. They had been to a convention years ago and they came back years years later, received this award, and they end up getting more involved than they had been before. And so that's what we're looking for. 
uh, trying to identify people that really is interested in helping to move ACV forward, learn all you can, and if we want to help you to grow. Now, there are some uh, amenities that you receive. Uh, once If you're selected as a recipient, you will have your airfare or other, any other mode of transportation paid uh, in full, lodging, which will be double occupancy. That means that, like Sheila said earlier, she shared a room with one of the recipients from 2016. You may be asked to do that. But you can, if you have a loved one, husband or friend or whatever wants to be with you, they would be expected to pay 50% of the room if you just want that person to be in the room with you instead of one of our award recipients or scholarship recipient. Um, so that's important to know. Beyond that, you get stipends for to attend different events such as a banquet. Uh, we have a special J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows uh, reception. We have a DCAM First Timers reception. Uh, and we'll give you more details about that as we move forward. Uh, beyond that, uh, we definitely want you to be able to meet other people, other leaders and other members. You get a chance, especially when we meet in person. But one, one thing that Paul, uh, someone, I think Eric, somebody alluded to earlier, we're expecting three classes of DCAM first timers and J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows to join together this year in Omaha, Nebraska, provided that we will definitely have a hybrid uh, convention. And so three classes would add up to about 21 people with, from those two different awards. And so I think it would be a great, great thing. We do have a few people that said that they cannot travel this year for several reasons. But uh, I think overall we're going to have a good group. And so we're looking for some good candidates. And uh, we have more, more to, to share. Uh, Donna Browning, would you share what you have? We have something old, which is a little history about our two awards. Uh, Eric it said some of it earlier, but I'll ask Donna to repeat that and then tell sure. everybody what's new, Donna, that we came up with recently. Okay. Uh, the DKM First Timers Award in honor of Derwood K. McDaniel began in 1996 and has 26 classes, totaling 58 recipients to date. Uh, the ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award began in 2016 and has seven classes, totaling 33 recipients to date. Now, we have something very exciting to tell you. Uh, the Derwood K. McDaniel DKM Leadership Select Honor Society has launched, was launched in January 31st, 2022. All classes of the DKM First Timers and ACB JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award um, automatically become a member of the Honor Society. And the first ever induction ceremony will occur during the 2022 ACB Conference and Convention. And will continue each upcoming year. All recipients are urged to provide their most current contact information by dialing phone number 409-866-5838 or send details to simeon.k at att.net. How do you spell the Simeon, Donna? It is spelled S-E-M 
I-E-N. Thank you. Okay, let's ask Sheila to tell everyone where they can identify the uh, articles that we have uh, available. All right, if you're interested in finding out about the DKM first timers, you look at the January Braille Forum and look for the article, Reach Higher, Pursue and Succeed. If you're interested in finding about the um, JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows, it's in the February e-forum and it's get on the fast track to leadership. You can also, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you can also go to the ACB website at acb.org or you can go to the DKM website, which is acb.org slash DKM. Excellent. Mr. Eric, um, in addition to in in addition to all the perks that leadership folks get, um, there's also some requirement for them to get involved in the leadership institute. Is that correct? And can you tell us a little more about that? Uh, actually, I will hand that off to Kenneth. Uh, concerning, yeah, that's something that we encourage. Uh, uh, it's not a requirement, but we do have sessions that will be held. Uh, everything that we can identify uh, within the programming this year for the ACB conference and convention, we will have a schedule of events that everyone will receive uh, after being selected uh, so that they can plan to participate. Uh, on the first Monday in April, we have a, a planning for success informational call. We will tell them all about those things. Uh, and uh, Janet Dukeman joins us to really give information about what's available to them and what's available sessions that they may want to consider uh, attending in addition to what we prescribe for them. And so, but the Leadership uh, Institute is very, uh, a very important component to what we do. And so we do encourage participation in those uh, meetings that they have. They've been having every month on the second Thursday evening, uh, uh, second week uh, on Thursday evening. And so we try to encourage them to participate in that. Uh, we share uh, leadership articles with our recipients. We share events that they can benefit from and try to keep in touch. We're gonna to do more with that uh, through the Honor Society, making sure that we keep in touch. We're gonna to have a designated email list for all of our recipients to be able to communicate and uh, receive uh, specific information that would be beneficial to them. And uh, so other than that, uh, there's there's much more to say that we'll we'll tell everybody about as we move forward. And can you tell us a little bit more about what you expect from the honor society? I mean, are there are there some special events that you're planning? Some special advantages that folks have for keeping their membership? Which with within that um, is one thing you mentioned already. Leadership uh, institute is one of the huh. things that we that's a part of that. That's and everybody's they, mm -hmm. they will be able to receive that in writing but also participate in uh, other events that as we keep in touch with one another, we always ask them to uh, stay in touch with us so that we can provide them with uh, even be having an open door to call for uh, mentoring opportunities, peer support. Uh, we always have something, uh, especially after the annual conference that we will reach out to all of our recipients and try to keep them in a the loop about some things that are coming up that we may identify as very uh, important for them. Um, 
other than that, we want them to be able to uh, get connected uh, more with ACB, learn more about ACB, and we'll, we'll provide some of those opportunities for them to do so uh, by being, but expectations are really uh, just pretty much like we're just hoping that they would continue to learn and grow about ACB and begin to uh, get more involved as, as much as possible. We want everybody to always consider uh, uh, having a balance to your, your life, your personal life, and the work you do, whether it be volunteer work or employment. Uh, because sometimes we're not, if we're not careful, we can over commit and under, I would say, uh, participate as we, we may want to. Uh, so it's good to know that, that about that balance to make sure you don't overcommit. And Kenneth, if I could interject here, last year we let all of the committee members be mentors to the people that were chosen. So they have somebody they can reach out to if they have questions about meetings, et cetera. And that was, I thought last year was very beneficial. So what did you, what do you think, Kenneth? Well, I think that's, I'm glad you brought it up because that's something we do each year. Uh, at least since I became the chair, we have uh, make sure that we appoint someone from the committee to be with each one of uh, those seven people uh, that are selected each year. And then I'm always, you know, trying to stay in contact with them. I check in uh, just to see how things are going. They get to ask questions and any question that the mentor cannot answer, they know they can come to the chair. And also we have a mentor guide that was developed just to help our mentors to follow along and know uh, some ways that they can communicate effectively with uh, their mentees. And so uh, that's what a great component that we have going within the committee. It might be interesting to see your committee um, offer that that mentoring training to some of our other affiliates so that so that they can get a better idea of how to use mentoring within their affiliates, either either state affiliates or special interest ones. Well, beyond that, Paul, last Saturday, we had a group of us, um, Cheryl Cummings from the Multicultural Affairs Committee, Donna Brown mm -hmm. from the uh, Borough College Leadership, Tra Leadership Institute Training Committee, and myself to present a, an ACB mentorship program that we're developing. And uh, we, we are, we're meeting this Friday to continue our progress. We've already created a, a, created a timeline for uh, going up from 2022 into 2023. So you're going to be hearing more about that during the month of April. There'll be some times that we will have community calls and participate in any affiliate uh, meeting to share what we're doing. And this program is based for, I would say, set up for ACB, but it does, uh, our objective does say we're going to extend it to the affiliates, chapters, and, and committee members that can even benefit from it. Now we're beginning uh, the process of this mentorship program by each one of the three committees I mentioned earlier. Uh, where we're going to each choose or select four uh, participants uh, to participate in a pilot program. And so the program is called MAPS, that's M-A-P-S, Mentorship, Access, and Peer Support. So uh, we'll also be uh, looking for uh, mentors. We are developing criteria for those people that will be able to begin applying on July 15th after we uh, end the national convention. We also will have have an application open for um, July 15th through August 15th for mentees as well. Uh, there's much more to say about that. Um, Paul, uh, 
if you don't have anything else for Eric, then I would like to ask about hearing a few more testimonies from some people that are here, uh, kind of like waiting to kind of share something that they've done since they won one of our awards. Very good. So let me ask Eric if he has any final thoughts he'd like to share, and then he might want to, to, to disappear and put his feet up for a little while. <laughs> well, I, one observation that I will make is that it's really cool to look at the composition of the DCAM fund committee um, and to know that so many of those individuals were at one point um, DCAM first timers or JP Morgan fellows. And so, uh, you know, down through the years as all this has continued to evolve and, and grow, um, you know, having people sit on the committee and do, do the work of this committee that have actually benefited uh, you know, from, from these awards, um, I think is really important. It's, it's just really cool. And it's, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to, to work with Kenneth. And I know Kelly really enjoys it. Kelly uh, just became a, a mommy here for the first time on the seventh. So she's on um, maternity leave, but Kelly Gask is, is our, our staff liaison yep. to the to the committee. Mr. Eric, a boy or a girl? A girl. Nice. Her name is Juniper. Yes. That is so excellent. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure loads of our of our listeners will be glad to know that everything went well. Everything very good. good. Yep. Mr. Eric, thank you. Kenneth, um, why don't we see what we can get through in about 12 minutes? Because then I'd then like to open it up and see if folks have any questions. Okay. One thing I wanted to say, I wish Greg Lindbergh could have stayed because he Me is too. the recipient of both of the our awards. Um, so he received the DCAM First Timers Award in 2016 and just received the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award in 2021. So can we hear from Wanda Williford from New Jersey? Let us know about her experience as a J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. Hey, Wanda. Got someone else in mind, okay, Mr. Kenneth? Okay. Uh, I was trying to scroll down to my list and I thought of her name. Uh, hey, Donna, why don't you go ahead and just tell us about your experience? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I um, applied one year and um, unfortunately didn't get it. The next, uh, I had friends that all of a sudden, the year that I did get it, start bugging me to go do it. And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass myself like that again. And one particular person just kept on, and my friend Marie just kept on, Donna, please, you're going to get it. So I finally applied, and um, I was shocked when I heard that I was going to get an interview. And then after the interview, then I got a second, well, you know, kept going forward with everything. And then when I got the call that I'd gotten, and I'm like, I was shocked, and I was like, Oh, what have I done? <laughs> it was it was a little overwhelming, but exciting at the same time. And it was just amazing going to the conference and going to the different leadership sessions and um, having opportunities to do you know different volunteer work and just hanging with the, uh, other people in my class, getting to know them better, and seeing the 
skills and uh, um, the 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 enormous talent so many of them had. And, you know, you get to thinking, wow. But it was amazing. And I was very impressed with uh, how it was set up. And um, it was it was truly exciting and you 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 start to it starts getting you fired up for what you want to do i started really like oh wow what do i want to do with this and um i i didn't look back and kept on going forward and what, what kinds of stuff are you doing within acb now miss donna so i'm on the gkm committee yep. um i am on the membership committee nice and i'm, and I'm on the walk committee i am Vice president of my affiliate. Um, yeah, I keep very busy. You're, you're doing a lot. Yeah, yeah I'm enjoying community, ACB community. Oh yes, I I host for it, and I um I did have a program that I also facilitated that's coming back for a visit this week, and I may bring it back uh, permanently. So it's it's and, so and much what? to learn and. What was that of. program about, Miss Donna? It's called the Joy of Music. Nice. So yeah, I um, I'm very excited because I, you know, we have the opportunity to listen to shows like this and to learn from leaders like Eric and Kenneth and Dan. We're blessed, and that's what kept me fired up. ACB means the world to me. It helped me accept who I was because I had trouble with that for a lot of my life and ACB helped me realize that I was okay and that I could be me and I had potential and they helped me to do it. And I thank them for that. And I'm excited that I can be on this committee to give somebody else the opportunity that I had to show what they have to give. Thank you. Donna. That, that is excellent. Thanks, Donna. Now, uh, Paul, if yep. we have, we have one more here. person, if we have time yep. for, Go uh, for Regina it. Brink. Sure. Is Regina here? Kenneth, can you hear me? It's Wanda. Okay, hey, Wanda, Wanda. We're glad you're here. Good. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't unmute, guys. I apologize. And I'm here as well. Hello, Wanda. Okay, go ahead I and tell here. us a little bit. Our time is short. So, uh, Wanda, go ahead and share some things that you've accomplished since you have received the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award. Okay, I'll be brief. So I'm Wanda Williford from Trenton, New Jersey, and I am very new to ACB. Actually, I joined um, my local chapter in 2018 and then became involved in the state affiliate. And when I saw the emails coming through regarding the, um, the JP Morgan Chase and the first time as award, I thought, I'm going to apply because I was elected um, as president of my state affiliate in January of 2020. And what I was in need of was, like you guys mentioned earlier, was mentorship and information. And when I applied and was um, granted the award, I was surprised and honored and was looking forward to coming to Schaumburg, Illinois. We all know that that didn't happen. However, I participated um, from my kitchen table, enjoyed it and le learned a lot, took that information back to my state affiliate. Some of the um, actual speakers 
at the convention. I had to speak at several of our meetings. Um, so, you know, the leadership part of it was really um, some welcome information for me. So with that being said, um, I just was reelected uh, for my second term as state affiliate president. I am now president of my local chapter as well. I currently serve on the SRC for New Jersey. And um, the thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that this award and being involved with ACB has helped me to develop skills that I didn't know I had. And I have um, spoken at several of the um, state um, conventions and things in terms of other um, organizations and if not for ACB and my um, my involvement, I don't know if I would have had the confidence to do that. So um, I thank you guys very much and I'm looking forward to um, Omaha. Yep, thank you. And um, the SRC stands for State Rehab Council and that's a governor appointed position that, that involves yes. help, helping to make services better for blind folks in New Jersey. That's excellent. Thank you, yes. Very good. Miss Regina. Well, Paul, I think you and I got to know each other pretty we did. well. did. <laughs> but I have a similar story to Wanda, and I'll be brief too. I uh, ended up taking over a, sec a term of a president that resigned suddenly, and basically no one would run. And so I, I basically said, well, I don't want the organization to fall apart. And I was fairly new. I had joined just the year before. And I had experience on other boards, like with Head Start and WIC, but I had not had a lot of experience in ACB. I started just by helping as a volunteer coordinator when I worked for Society for the Blind, helping out um, the mutt strut that we did as a fundraiser a few years here in California. And that's how I became more closely familiar with them. CCB, which is our affiliate, the California Council of the Blind. And so, long story short, I get in this presidency and I'm asking, I, I needed to know everything about the organization and the structure and how it ran. And uh, Jeff Tom, a member of our chapter that everyone's probably familiar with, suggested I apply for the J.P. Morgan Chase. And I, I thought that he was just a little... Um, like I didn't really think I would qualify for it. And he and our state president at the time, Judy Wilkinson, convinced me and convinced me that all that could happen is they would say no and I, I would just not get it. And it wasn't that big of a deal. I could reapply or anyway, they did. I did receive it. And it's been a wonderful experience of meeting people and understanding the organization and becoming a better leader. I um, was appointed to a, a California Multicultural Affairs Committee. We checked with the membership and they wanted an affiliate and we have formed an inclusive diversity of California affiliate. So I'm also president of that and just working really hard in that area. I'm assisting as uh, Director of Governmental Affairs and learning the legislature here in the state and how to really 
advocate for that legislation and the laws. And then I met Paul by doing resolutions. And I had a resolution and I wanted someone else to write it. And they said, why don't you write it? I'm like, me? I don't know what I'm doing. And so I did another resolution, took my, wrote it. And then I've been coming to resolution meetings ever since. So. <laughs> and it was a very good resolution. And, and, um, and one of the things that's really cool about Regina is that she, she knows exactly what she wants and she knows when she's not getting it. And, and, but she's also learned to be a very skilled negotiator. I was very impressed with Regina last summer. So. And Kenneth, Belinda Collins is here as well. Oh, very good. Okay. And so is Meryl Schechter. Yep. And, and Meryl. Yep. All right. So Rick gave me permission to be co-host. So guess what? You can be co-host. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it, girl. Go for it. <laughs> Belinda. Go for it. <laughs> give, give us a time check right quick. It, it's 20 minutes to go. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be really brief. There you go, Belinda. Good, good yep. evening. Hey, Belinda. Good evening, everyone. Um, I applied for the DKM first timer last year, and that was I was encouraged by Cindy Hollis to do so. And I remember when I received the email that I had a, been awarded the first timers, I, it was midnight and I called Cindy and I just bawled. I was so humbled and <laughs> honored and just blessed. And I've learned so much about the organization in that time. I am on the membership committee, uh, leadership uh, institute committee, and also the multicultural affairs committee. Um, and I do host and facilitate within the community, um, do some uh, behind the scenes stuff within the community as well. A couple of calls that I facilitate are blind since birth. I co-facilitate that with another community member. And I also do um, an iOS features and fun call and uh, Tar Heel tailgate, which is more like a social. So um, I'm just, just honored and happy to be a part of the organization. I love ACB with my heart. So Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, Belinda. And you and we stream. Yeah, and we sometimes we sometimes also see your name uh, putting out schedules, Miss Belinda. Yes, yes, I do. I do that uh, three times a week or twice a week. Sorry. That is so excellent. Thank you, Miss Belinda. Another really good user. And Miss Merrill, you wanted to talk about your experience. Merrill, if you want to talk, raise your hand. Yes, she doesn't want to talk. <laughs> and you know, I, I really want to say to, to to Greg Lindberg and 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 uh, and also to Amanda Selm that I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that they had to leave early, and and you may have told me, sir, but things have been pretty hectic for me, so I didn't see your email that said they needed to leave early. If you sent it, so no, I please, did, I did not uh, because yeah. I just found out myself uh, it's a special meeting they had to attend. Yeah. And Meryl did just raise her hand, so. Hi. So, uh, hey, Meryl. Hi, hi, Paul. Hi, Kenneth, Sheila. Hey, Meryl. Uh, this is really has been an interesting journey. <clears throat> I applied for the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow 
in 2018 and 2019. And, and, and I didn't get it, but I didn't get discouraged because Cindy LeBlanc kept on, who was on the committee before, uh, told me to keep on applying. So I did in 2020. I was accepted. I got a call by um, from Dan Spoon on April 28th of 2020. I'll never forget it. He said, Meryl, you have been chosen as a um, J.P. Morgan Chase leadership fellow. And I thought, oh, my God, I was overwhelmed. And I was also humbled at the same time. I'm getting very emotional because since I have <clears throat> been uh, selected, I was, uh, well, I was the vice president of the state, which I still am, of Maryland. American Council of Blind of Maryland. Um, I also have served on the legislative and I'm the chair of the membership committee also for our chapter locally for the um, state. I serve on the Constitution and Bylaws Committee, which is fantastic because I get to learn about the whole, how the um, constitution and bylaws are done. And I actually, we just approved it for um, the state, which was awesome. Um, at our uh, virtual convention, we approved our new constitution. Um, I also serve on the subcommittee. I'm a member of the Braille Revival League, and I serve on the subcommittee for the constitution and bylaws for BRL. I'm also the vice chair of the International Relations Committee. And as the vice chair, I am also the chair of two subcommittees, the, um, uh, the um, community calls um, uh, subcommittee and the convention planning um, subcommittee for the International Relations Committee. And we have a lot of exciting things in store. So therefore, I get to go to the convention planning meeting nationally with Janet Dickelman and the affiliate circle. Uh, I also chaired our national, our virtual state convention. Um, and I had to be a wrangler. So when people were not there for their assigned uh, speeches virtually, I had to uh, contact them. And some of them, I had to tell them with uh, Deb Cook Lewis's help, and she was awesome. You know, she sent panelists link, but some of them didn't know how to do it or hadn't done it. So they, um, I had to have their hand raised to be promoted to panelists. And also, the other exciting thing that I want to tell you now is I am going to be starting a Spanish call. This is the first time I will be nice. facilitating a call. And I just sent a well, and I just sent, and it's going to be on every Monday at 7.30 p.m., starting on March 28th. And I'm in the process of filling out the event planning form, which is exciting. But the other thing is that there's still one question that I'm waiting for, a couple of people to respond to, which I'm not at liberty to say, but I have a great idea about something. And once I get that approval, I will submit the form. But this has been tremendous, Kenneth. And I want to thank you. I want to thank all the great leaders that I've learned so much from. And um, I am excited to just 
grow and learn and mentor and be mentored by some of the great mentors also. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Meryl. Can I mention just two more people? I Well, three. I just wanted to mention some people at the national level. This is Regina that have helped me so immensely. I, sure. I am on the Multicultural Affairs with Belinda, and I had the pleasure of uh, being under Peggy Garrett at first, and she has been such a gracious and wonderful mentor for me. I could just call her and ask her or Michael a question, and they would they would um, talk to me and and help me through things. And the same with Cheryl Cummings; it's just been very good. And then Ray Campbell with the Resolutions Point Zero has taught me a lot. <laughs> so I want to definitely recognize them as just natural mentors. And yes, and cool. also I wanted to acknowledge. Um, um, Maria Christick, the chair of the International Relations Committee and the former chair, Sandra Sermons, because they have been fantastic mentors to me as well. So Excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So um, either either Sheila or Rick, um, do we happen to have any hands raised? Area code, Don't all speak. No, area code yep. 306 has had their hand up. Area code 306, go. I don't know where that is. It's actually not 306, boy, am I I'm really going bad. Oh, is that 386? No, 336. 336. That sounds like Alan Casey. Alan. It is. I'm sorry, we, we had Whoa. wanted... We had wanted to hear from you um, earlier, Alan, and for some reason we couldn't get you unmuted. So welcome, and we're yeah, so glad to, you're I've here. On, I've been on the call. I've been on the call since you sold your home. Yep. Um, so uh, nice. take take a few minutes, Alan, and tell us whatever you'd like to. Well, uh, maybe go back to Durwood. That would be fine. Um, I'm at a disadvantage when, when I talk about Durbin in the presence of some of these people like Carl and, uh, and so forth and, and Terry, because I never knew Durwood. I came into, I joined, uh, well, I joined ACB through my chapter in the state affiliate in 2000. And quite honestly, I'd never heard of Durwood until 2003. And, um, uh, that's when Ron Eller, our state president came to me and said, I'm going to nominate you for the DKM award. And I had no idea what he was talking about. He explained it to me. I said, well, okay. And um, in April of 2004, I uh, received a call from Carl McCoy saying that I'd been selected. So I had a chance to go to Birmingham. And that was my uh, my first convention and one that I really enjoyed. Um, something I've had a number of thoughts about Durwood. Um, for one thing, a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of what has been said about Durwood tonight, I, I can certainly agree with from uh, Terry and Carl particularly. And also from uh, from Chris Gray because uh, those are things that I read about in People of Vision and things that I've heard about from uh, various uh, members of ACB and friends of mine. But um, Dermot was um, I, I wish I wish I had known him because I think he and I would have gotten along well. He seemed to have a, a, an interesting sense of humor, and I have a hunch mine sort of parallels his. But um, Dermot always struck me, from what I know about him, as, as a person who, who loved challenging people to do things, 
but uh, he never dodged the challenge himself. He was always there. And uh, I wish I wish Carla had been with us tonight. She could have told us about the, the bowling alley when um, mm-hmm. she had been trying to get um, or Derby had been trying to get her to get an organization going in, in uh, Louisville, in Kentucky. And uh, she struggled with it. And he told her, I think she had to get 100 people or something. I forget what the number was. But anyway, they had a, the, the uh, Kentucky had a, a bowling uh, get together, a local uh, bowling alley in Louisville, and in walks Durwood. And uh, he walks over to Carla, and Carla's, uh, Carla told him, she said, well, we have enough people now to, uh, to start an affiliate. And Durwood's first comment was, okay, where's your, where's your dues check? And uh, he just always, he always seemed to go to the, to the heart of the matter. Uh, no matter what it was. I guess you had to have a sense of humor to be around Durwood. This is another question that I had of him as well. But um, uh, he just, um, like I said, I, I learned so much in listening to other people and then in reading about him and the things that he did. And I was thinking the other day that Durwood left us uh, almost 30 years ago. He left us in body, but he has never left us in spirit. And I really feel like that we have, and I think this is true of the committee, I think this is what the committee has tried to do. Um, I think it's our responsibility to try to carry that spirit forward and uh, make others at ACB aware of, um, of, of what, uh, what the committee does and also what Durwood's impact was. And I'll just share one of, one of the things with you. Uh, Eric talked about the beginnings of the leadership fellows uh, uh, group. And something I was told, and I don't know, I, I don't know who told me, I don't know how, how factual it is, but one story that I was told was that the people from J.P. Morgan Chase were concerned. They were at the 2015 convention uh, in um, Dallas, and they were concerned that recognizing two people a year as potential leaders just wasn't enough. And so I was told that they said, we, you need to do better than that. And they were willing to fund it. And so in 2016, uh, we did have 10 uh, leadership fellows, uh, Sheila and others who, who spoke tonight. Um, but um, anyway, I, I can't really add much to what Carl and others uh, have said uh, this evening, but um, I'm just grateful that we had Durwood. I, I also thought that you know, had it not been for Durwood, uh, most of us would be in a, a kind of organizational purgatory belonging to another blindness organization, and I'm glad we're not. Well, I'm glad we're not, too. Um, Alan, thank you very much, sir. Um, we can, if, if there are any other hands raised, Rick, we can probably take one or two more quick calls. There are not, Paul. Very good. Mr. Kenneth, um, give you a chance to kind of wrap up, and perhaps, um, perhaps you can be sure to give uh, an, an email address in case people have questions that they'd like to raise. Okay. Hey, Paul, I wanted to say quickly, you asked this earlier about uh, recipients from 1996. There were three of them. The first person was from Florida, Florida, and I'm not sure if it's a, a lady or a man, but the person's name is Bobby, B-O-B-B-I-E. Uh, Probes. Probes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Is, that's a lady? Yes, it, it okay. is a lady. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. We wanted to know that. Uh, yep. I know some guys called Bobby as well. The next one we had was Marlon Perez. Marlon Perez. Um, Gosh, don't from remember Florida, her. From Florida as well. 
Huh. Then we had one from Colorado, Bart Van, Bart Van Wolfert. I remember Bart. Um, I don't remember the second Floridian. Maybe, you maybe. Have, you have none maybe, from 1995? Nope. Yeah, Sharon gave, provided this list. So uh, I do want to say thanks to everybody for joining in. Uh, we had a great crew tonight to share information that's beneficial. Now, uh, we want to encourage everyone to consider applying uh, for the, either the DCAM First Timers Award uh, or the J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award. But I also want to tell you that you actually can apply for both. If you've never attended an in-person convention, uh, we do have people that apply for both awards. And at times when we didn't have a large number of uh, applicants, we actually considered any, anybody who was qualified for e either of those awards. So we want everybody to make sure that if you are applying for both, just in that one letter you submit, mention both of those in the same letter. You don't have to submit two different letters. And I want to encourage everyone not to go to your chapter presidents for a uh, letter of recommendation. It must be a, a state or special interest affiliate president uh, that would write a letter of recommendation for you. Okay, and if you want to reach out to me, say it again. Did somebody say something? Uh, if anybody wants more information, uh, have other questions, you can uh, either call 409-866-5838 or send an email to simeon.k at att.net. That's S-E-M, S like Sam, E-M-I-E-N dot K for Kenneth at att.net. And I'll be able to help you out and answer any questions you might have. Kenneth, can I ask a uh, Can I ask a quick question? Sure. Yep. 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 Go back in the back in the day when the uh, Derwood K. McDaniel Fund was originally started. It was a lot of it was beyond after the um, revenue, uh, the ACB revenue was included. It also included a lot of donations from people in Derwood's memory. Um, I'm wondering if that still goes on and if people were interested. Could they still uh, make a donation to the DKM fund? Yes, we have had, uh, had uh, for several years, uh, we've had people from different affiliates on when they're given doing the roll call at the beginning of uh, the opening session. We have people who have given $1,000, $2,000, Yeah, so it's happening. So we encourage anybody uh, just holding on to a whole lot of money in the bank and just feel like you really want to give it to a good cause. Uh, you can still donate to a DKM fund. That's exactly the point I wanted you to make. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I'd like to thank everybody who's been here. Uh, I think everyone will agree we did have a cast of thousands this evening. And thank you so much to Kenneth Simeon for putting all of this together. Um, Kenneth, it wasn't perfect, but I think we got a lot accomplished. <laughs> so thank you very yeah. much, sir. Thank you. Um, we very much uh, appreciate all of you guys being here this year, and we always appreciate the opportunity to document the history of ACB and some of the people who've made the organization what, what it is. So I'd like to thank our historians, Chris Gray and, and Mr. Casey and Terry Pacheco, and, um, and of course, my friend Carl McCoy from, from Tallahassee, who I'm hoping to see in June. Everybody, we 
very much appreciate all of you on Tuesday topics. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen next week. It will probably be an opportunity for us to explore three or four questions again. So check the notes tomorrow. We'll put out information about Tuesday topics then. In the meantime, remember, you have a chance to become a leader. Take that chance. Good night.